are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here, and it's time to get to know the NFC West a little bit better now that the draft is in the books. My guest today, Alex Clancy, he is the host of Locked On Cardinals. So we're going to do a little NFC West crossover Arizona Cardinals edition right now. Welcome to Locked On Cardinals. We have a special edition today. Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers is joining me. Uh, Bo Brock has left me. That son of a bee is up. The Pacific Northwest now probably unpacking his unmentionables in Spokane, Washington. He left me here in the Fox Sports 910 studio. But join, uh, joining me today, Brian Peacock, Locked On 49ers. This dude's been busy recently. Uh, for those that don't know, the Locked On NFL podcast portion of the Locked On Podcast Network did a mock draft ahead of the 2019 NFL draft last week. And Brian pretty much hosted it. He had, a, he had a, some color help with Matt Williamson from Locked On NFL, and each one of the NFL podcasts of the Locked On Podcast Network sent in their pick as if it were a draft room scenario. Uh, Bo and I did. We sent it in. We sent our pick in, and these guys, Brian and Matt, would give their you know, analysis after each pick was in, so to speak. So, Brian, just tell me right away. So, Bo and I, we weren't even wrestling. And for those that listen to the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On Cardinals, we had Nick Bosa all the way. There was no Quinn Williams. There was no Kyler Murray. We thought that Steve Kime wasn't full of ineptitude and hot air to think that they would draft Kyler Murray. But lo and behold, uh, every, what everybody else thought was right. Was right. What did you guys think when you heard Nick Bosa come out of our mouths and not Kyler Murray? Yeah, well, first of all, yeah. with the mock draft thing, that was such a unique podcast in a week-long podcast where we went through all the teams and, and you know just really showed off the power of the network and thanks to you guys for joining in on that thanks to Matt Williamson for allowing me to jump in and co-host it with him and uh, I did all the producing and brought all the elements together and we had the locked on NFL draft and the draft dudes in on it as well from the draft network so uh, that was a lot of fun it was really cool to watch that thing grow and the locked on NFL podcast just jumping up into the Apple podcast stratosphere I think it topped out at number 17 overall in the sports and and recreation, you know, over big podcasts, over Dan Patrick show and and stuff like that. So that was really cool. So I appreciate you and Bo getting in on that. As far as Nick Bosa, and I was kind of with you on that because I thought it was, you know, it's lying season with the NFL draft season. So the Kyler Murray stuff all through like March is like, no, the draft boards aren't even set yet. So they can't even know who they're going to take. So other people definitely don't know who they're going to take yet. But lo and behold, that wasn't a lie all along. It was actually the truth, and Kyler Murray was their guy, and I was with you. It was Nick Bosa, number one on my draft board, and I thought for sure, even if it wasn't going to be Kyler Murray, maybe they were just trying to float that out there for maybe to try to gain some uh, some trade compensation, and even then, it was like, no, they were serious. They were just like, we like Kyler Murray. Cliff King- Kingsbury loves Kyler Murray, and that's actually going to be our guy, which uh, I was kind of surprised about, actually. Yeah, man. I mean, and <laughs> listen... I've said, I had said, you know, since the early inception of them getting the number one overall pick, if you're not going to draft Nick Bosa, make San Francisco move up to draft Nick Bosa. That was my number one thing. You do not give any other team, let alone an NFC team, let alone an, a division rival, a gift-wrapped guy that they want 
That's the guy that the 49ers wanted, correct? Uh, absolutely, all along. He had to be the number one guy on their board, for sure. He was Santa Claus. He was the guy. He was the only guy. If you had the number one pick, you were taking Nick Bosa. So there were, there were talks about, and, you know, there's always a late horse to the race, and this year was Quinn and Williams. The Cardinals would have drafted Quinn and Williams number one and gift-wrapped Nick Bosa. All you needed to do, the smoke screen, all this crap that was surrounded around Kyler Murray should have been surrounded around Nick Bosa the whole time. Because the San Francisco 49ers, in my opinion, this is why I brought you on this podcast, because I want to hear what the other side thought. And tell me if I'm crazy, because I have been before, that 49ers would have given up a good little chunk of draft pick, you know, uh, a little package to move up to that number one spot to ensure the fact that they would get their guy. And if the Cardinals would have somehow figured out a way to make them believe that Nick Bosa was the guy they were going to take, the Cardinals could have been set a little bit more for the future. I think I don't think you're crazy at all. I I think two things there. Number one, from the Cardinals' standpoint, if you did want to trade, and it's obvious I don't think they did want to trade at all because they wanted to draft Kyler Murray. Right. If you did want to trade out of there, I think the quarterback is the guy that's going to get you the most value. So at, at whatever point that was, it was going to be Bosa to the Niners anyway because you were going to trade out to a team that's going to give you a lot more to jump way up and draft their quarterback, in my opinion. But at the same time, if you are, if you, if Kyler Murray's your guy, then what you do is you keep silent about it and you float Nick Bosa's name out there as your guy because that's obviously the player that the 49ers were going to have number one on their board. And from the 49ers standpoint, trading up, it gets a little bit dicey because, and it reminds me a little bit of that Bears situation where the 49ers got the Bears to move up right, one yeah. pick a couple of years ago. But from the 49ers standpoint, one reason, or there's two reasons why I think they would not have been interested or at least not have thrown a ton at the Cardinals to trade up for Bosa. Uh, number one is that they just, they were a little bit light on picks this year. They had traded away a couple of draft picks. So they came into the draft with only six selections. They didn't have a fifth rounder that they traded for. Um, they traded for Lake and Tomlinson. And then they also traded next year's second rounder in the D Ford trade. So I think they were in a situation where, first of all, adding Ford allowed them to not have to be pigeonholed into 100%. You have to draft an edge player, and that's it. And then they had a, a little bit lighter draft capital than you would like for a team that's trying to move up. And so that's one big reason. And the second reason is the other guy you mentioned, Quinn and Williams. And it was funny because the Cardinals thing was like, oh, man, it's going to be Kyler Murray. And then maybe two hours before the draft, everybody that was reporting live in Nashville was like, no, it's Quinn and Williams. Here we go. It's going to be Quinn and Williams, number one. It's like, wait, okay, wow. But I think Quinn and Williams, and John Lynch said this after the draft, Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa were really neck and neck on their draft board, and it was pretty much a tie and positional value and need put Nick Bosa over the top. So those are the reasons I don't think it would have actually happened. So I think the Cardinals, where it stands, if Murray was their guy, they weren't really going to be able to trade out because that, that was the player that was going to get them the most value. Alex Clancy locked on Cardinals. Vine Peacock locked on 49ers. On the other side, we're going to continue this crosstalk this hybrid after the draft, weird feeling of it's that time of year where it's after Christmas but before New Year's. We don't really know what the hell to do with ourselves, so we're talking together. We'll be right back. You know, Alex, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. 
As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never have to miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. And right now, my listeners can get ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back, Locked On Cardinals, Locked On 49ers crossover, beginning of May edition, I guess you could say. I was Clancy, Brian Peacock, Locked On Cardinals, Locked On 49ers, respectively. So, I always ask people this, and I asked you this when you came, when we did our crossover, uh, one of the two during the regular season, which we do in the Locked On Podcast Network every Wednesday coming up. Whoever, whatever team your team is playing, you'll be doing a crossover podcast with the Locked On Podcast Network host for that team. So it's always fun. Check out that on Wednesdays coming up for the 2019 NFL season. Is there any fear in Northern California regarding Kyler Murray being the quarterback for the Cardinals you have to see twice a year? Yeah, and I talked a little bit about that on the, the post-draft show, the recap on Lockdown 49ers, and it's... On one hand, you mentioned it. Okay, 49ers got the the player that they probably think is the best player in the draft. So you're happy about that. It's like, hey, 49ers at pick two got the best player in the draft. That's awesome. But then you're like, okay, well, wait a second. If the Cardinals are right, if Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime are correct, they did the right thing, which was a rarity. And on one hand, they had the balls to do it, which is kind of impressive because teams don't do that. And, and I've said before, it's like, man, you got to get your quarterback. Even if you just drafted one, teams do not double up on quarterback. And they didn't get great value in the return from Miami trading Josh Rosen away versus what they had to give up to get him last year. But if they're right and Kyler Murray is that guy, then that's amazing for the Cardinals. And that's still bad for the 49ers, even though they got the best player in the draft. And I guess, you know, it could be a win-win because if you get a, a, a Hall of Fame defensive end, you're not worried about the, the team you're only playing twice per year. But the NFC West is is still strong and it looks like it's getting stronger Seahawks aren't going anywhere. Uh, they 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 retooled about as well as a, a really good team could. And the Cardinals, if they got their guy and all the wide receivers that I'd like to talk with you about, it it could be a rough go for the 49ers and at, at worst a really competitive division. Yeah, man. I mean, it's and here it's so Bo and I would joke, and this is this would have been my reaction if Nick Bosa were drafted number one overall. Yeah. Oh, because I want Kyler Murray to be here. You know, like, there's, we're so split because it's two personalities. One is the rational, rational side where it's, there's no way this is going to work. And then the second one is, hell yeah, I get to go to the press box and watch Kyler Murray eight times a year. This is going to be, this is going to be amazing. So with that, the boring pick would have been the correct one. And I think you're right with Nick Bosa, if they would have, Kept it more tight to the vest with Kyler Murray, but when you have Cliff Kingsbury running his mouth at the Combine saying they're taking Kyler Murray number one overall, and then uh, through a source of mine, (laughs) Steve Kime was drunk a week before at a bar, and he was telling everybody (laughs) they were taking Kyler Murray number one overall when he was several martinis deep. So we knew, even though we didn't want to know for sure, we knew that Kyler Murray was the guy, and let's pivot to to the wide receivers. I think this draft for the Arizona Cardinals, and this is, this is like, you know, when you make your predictions for the year for how many wins that your team's going to have. I, I see myself always 
giving a win or two more right before the year starts due to excitement or what have you. I'm trying to curtail that portion of myself with looking at the draft. And, you know, it's after fantasy football draft. You're always way more excited with the players you have than what may actually translate to the field. I'm stoked about this draft. Every single position, Pro Football Focus had 30 or 40 positions higher, if not more, on their draft board. So they hit on every single one. It's a mix of, you know, guys dropping, teams not needing specific guys that the Cardinals need, and luck. So Andy Isabella was this, was the second uh, was their second second round pick. They got in the trade for Josh Rosen out of UMass. Led the led college football in receiving last year. He had monster numbers against Georgia and bigger teams that he played. Even though UMass was smaller, I think he had 15 catches for 215 and a touchdown against Georgia. And a lot of it was in garbage time. But the dude's undersized. He's fast, but the dude can put up points. And then you know my the best draft pick of. All of them, for me, was Akeem Butler from Iowa State. This dude is 6'6", 225, played in the Big 12, so say, well, his numbers are ballooned because he played in the Big 12. Maybe, but he got a lot of targets, had a lot of receiving yards, eighth in NCAA, so I'm stoked about the receivers that they got in this draft. I'm on board, and you're preaching to the choir when it comes to Hakeem Butler specifically, and he's a player that I would have had no problem with the team drafting in the first round. I thought the second round was a sweet spot for him. Uh, his, like you mentioned, with that just impossibly large frame, but still being four four eight, and seeing him get down the field the way he can and be a bully after the catch, and he's just scratching the surface. I think with with Akeem Butler, he can be as good as he wants to be if he puts in the time and the work. And it takes a little bit longer sometimes for bigger wide receivers, but the finer points and route running and you know cleaning up, just you know hanging out with the jugs machine and, and just tightening up a few things for Hakeem Butler, he could be an absolute monster. And when I look at the Cardinals draft, I mean, it, it could be a home run, especially. And it's pretty obvious. It looks like Cliff Kingsbury is not going to be shy about just straight up slinging the rock all over the place. Like, that's what this offense is going to be. But I love what the Cardinals did with that wide receiver group. It's like, add a bunch of dudes. So what if Hakeem Butler, he's a boomer bust prospect? What if he busts? Well, you, you still drafted a very safe player in Keyshawn Johnson, who's a good route runner, has some of the best hands in the class. You know he's going to at least stick. Andy Isabella, you mentioned him and his track speed. And I, I like the way they built it as sort of uh, the wide receiver core is like a, a basketball team. So you've got your center in Hakeem Butler. You've got your point guard. And of course, you've got the veteran Larry Fitzgerald that's going to help all these guys. So I like what they did on draft day. I would put it back to you, the question. And we saw it last year with Josh Rosen having such a rough time. Maybe Kyler Murray helps in this regard. But what about the offensive line? That would be the last question I have as far as the offense goes with the Cardinals. Yeah, see, it's... <laughs> It's, a, uh, it's an interesting topic because you're right. You know, you see, oh, second round. There was a dude from Florida that they could have taken that would have shore up the offensive line, had some injury concerns, so they decided to go Byron Murphy. On some people's draft boards, top five, and they got in the, in the first pick of the second round. When you have a guy like Kyler Murray, it's a situation where the best offensive lineman is his feet. And it's, listen, I know you're playing with fire. I know that one pop from a big defensive end or linebacker could end his season. This is something the Cardinals had to have taken into account when they drafted him number one overall. But when you have a guy who is so comfortable outside the pocket and throwing on the run with his huge arm and pretty close to pinpoint precision, especially for his size, it's something that it's not as much of a focal point. And I, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest 
foundational reason to why Steve Kime didn't draft an offensive lineman in the first couple rounds is he's gun-shy. He's had issues drafting guys, you know, judging talent and executing that once they're drafted in the first round, DJ Humphreys. Jonathan Cooper went number seven overall out of North Carolina a couple years ago, and he's been a journeyman ever since. Uh, the, the, the one name that looms, the goat, the, 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 uh, the curse around the Arizona Cardinals franchise is Levi Brown getting taken instead of, instead of uh, Adrian Peterson. So they've had issues with offensive linemen in the past, and I think that's, if not a main reason, a cog in the reasoning for Steve Kimes to not draft an offensive lineman. They took, um, they took two dart throws in the seventh round, Josh Miles and Michael, uh, da- or, uh, and uh, who's the other guy? Lamont Galliard. But I think at this point it's free agency or bust when it comes to the offensive line. And that's, and that's where we are. And I, the one thing that I thought about, and, and this had been pontificated upon, I was thinking, what if they traded Josh Rosen for Laramie Tunsil? Instead of drafting for a draft, instead of trading for a draft pick, maybe trade for a guy that you can plug into your offensive line for day one and just play. But they went with a, went with a draft pick and got a wide receiver, which I can't be upset about either. You hit on something there that I think is interesting, and it's a storyline that's going to be fun. And I was somewhat surprised when the schedule came out and there was numerous primetime games for the 4-12 and 49ers. And one of those games is going to be a Thursday game. It could get weird. Halloween night, week nine. It's the first matchup between the Cardinals and the 49ers. We are definitely going to do a crossover show leading up to that one. Very interesting game. And, and I'm really excited to see that thing. You're talking about a big defensive lineman with that offensive line falling on Kyler Murray. The number one versus the number two overall pick. Kyler Murray trying to maybe weave his way around Nick Bosa. I think that's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. I mean, you know what? Let's take a break on the other side. Let's let's give a brief preview of the season. Because I want to ask you about Jimmy Garoppolo and what people think about his glass body. That's next. We'll do Locked on Cardinals, Locked on 49ers. One more segment coming up. Wrapping up here for the inaugural crossover podcast. Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. Brian Peacock, Locked on 49ers. So, Brian teased before the break, week nine, the, the, la- the last primetime game the Cardinals had, they lost 100-10. to 10. So, I mean, the, with, with the Broncos came here, awful turnovers. I think Josh Rosen accounted for five turnovers. It was one of the most brutal games we've ever seen in the Valley. I think Mike McCoy got fired immediately after that game. He got Lane Kiffin on the tarmac. So, moving forward, that's the game. And unfortunately... For 49ers fans, I have the, Car- the, uh, the Cardinals winning five games, and that's one of the wins. I think because of how silly it is, Thursday night, anything can happen, and inferior teams at that point, which the Cardinals are and will continue to be for the foreseeable future, um, will sneak out a win at State Farm Stadium. But Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Peacock, are people wary? Because that was a big, was it 137.5 he got? He got a lot of yep. money. And he still hasn't played. He still hasn't started a full season, right? He has not, no. Okay. So what's it like out there? It's, I think people are not as worried as they should be just because of how important he is. And we saw how the team went in the tank, even though they didn't really hit the ground running last year to start the season either under Jimmy Garoppolo. But the thing I'm worried about, not so much as him getting hurt and getting broken, because I think they're going to be smart about it. 
offensive line is, is pretty solid in San Francisco right now. I don't have any questions there with at least the starting five, maybe some depth issues. And uh, that's one thing I'm surprised about that they didn't add too much of, of in the draft is uh, more offensive linemen. But he just hasn't played that much. There's still that last bit of development for Jimmy Garoppolo that hasn't happened. And it's crazy because if you look at how many snaps he's taken in the NFL, he hasn't taken, he's actually taken fewer snaps in the NFL, attempted fewer passes than C.J. Beathard. And he's attempted about the same amount of passes as Nick Mullins. So he, he still doesn't have a full season of starting experience in the NFL. And we've seen how good he can be. And I don't have any problems with that. They structured his contract in a way where they could pull the ripcord at any time. They paid him a lot up front. So he got paid a ton to really sit there and rehab this past year. But now he's back down. He was one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league when they signed him to that big deal. But they can get out of it at any time. There's no more guaranteed money on it. And he's back down to like, say, 15, 16, 17th highest paid quarterback in the NFL now. So what he's getting paid now is not a problem. It's not going to hinder their future cap. They could get out from under it if they need to. The last question here is, okay, we need a full season from Jimmy Garoppolo. We need to see the last step in his development. We think it's there. We think it's already happened behind the scenes, but we need to see it on the field for a full season. And that's the thing I'm really thinking about. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, and please just run out of bounds. Yeah, really. I mean, at this point, LaDainian Tomlinson had it right. Cause I, I, I used to watch. I was living in San Diego when they were really, really good. LT would just run out of bounds. Everybody gave him crap for it. He looks like the biggest genius in the world. Just run out of bounds, especially as a quarterback. You don't need those extra two or three yards. Now you have, in the draft, you had a couple really good wide receiver draft choices in Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurt. And if the, the 49ers and Cardinals are in the, obviously the lower third of wide receiver help, I mean, you have George Kittle, who's an all-world guy. Seemingly from... Somebody from afar came out of freaking nowhere the last two years. And he's had really no quarterback help. And this dude, everybody knows he's getting the ball. It's like the DeAndre Hopkins uh, system in Houston. Everybody knows he's getting the ball. He's going to get 15 targets a game, and he's going to catch 13 balls for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Aside from George Kittle, are these guys, are these two guys going to be focal points in the offense? Are you going to try and rely on Marquise Goodwin, hopefully he stays healthy, or is this, you know, George Kittle and Kevin Coleman out of the backfield? It is going to be a heavy dose of George Kittle for sure. And second round pick Debo Samuel, I think he's going to plug in. I would I would guess that he's going to get 800 receiving yards as a rookie. I think he's going to be almost as impactful for the offense as Nick Bosa is for the defense. Uh, with that second pick, 36 overall, Debo Samuel, I think he's a perfect fit for what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. He's going to plug right into that Z wide receiver position. He's already played the position for Kyle Shanahan at the Senior Bowl. I think that was a big part of why the 49ers loved him. They loved the way he worked. He dominated in one-on-ones, and they got to see him in the offense playing the exact position they want to see him in, and that's where they don't have a lot of depth on that side. So he's going to plug in there as a rookie, and I think he could have a big rookie season. He's amazing on the catch and run stuff, the slant routes. Nobody was better running the slant route. He averaged 31 yards per catch, which hat tip to pro football focus and Jeff Dini, who's the Niners correspondent for bringing that nugget to me. 31 yards per catch average on slants last year. So he almost houses it every single time he touches a slant. And so a lot of stuff in the middle of the field with George Kittle, with Debo Samuel, they'll move him around a little bit. And on the other side, it's going to be Marquise Goodwin versus Dante Pettis to see who wins the split end 
job. I got to imagine it's going to be the second year guy, Dante Pettis, who wins that. But then you still have Marquise Goodwin to utilize. Third round pick, Jalen Hurd, is going to be, I think he's a little bit of a luxury selection there. He's going to play some wide receiver, it sounds like, but he might have some H back in his future. And the former running back, they can move him around in the backfield. I think that's just one of those chess pieces where Kyle Shanahan's like, oh man, I want to have a lot of fun with this guy. So there's no telling what he's going to end up being in the NFL. And it might be a year or two before we see what he actually is. But then you have Trent Taylor in the slot. You have uh, Richie James who could be in the slot, who could play on the outside. Both those guys are little shifty sort of wide receivers. And they brought in Wes Welker as the wide receivers coach this year. So when I think about what the New England Patriots did with Wes Welker, and I think about how they spread things out, how they utilize the middle of the field, utilize the tight end, utilize guys out of the slot, I'm starting to think, okay, I see where Kyle Shanahan's going with this thing. I th- I think it's going to be a very New England Patriots-like passing game going forward with Garoppolo and the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, and that that's <laughs> it's genius. It's 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 just moving the wheel instead of reinventing it from the East Coast to the West Coast because there's one thing that that offense for New England does, it keeps Tom Brady healthy. It keeps Tom Brady upright. And if you want anything from Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward, you better keep his ass off the ground. And with short routes, short intermediate routes, with really fast guys and George Kittle either up the seam or, or joining in on the short routes, it will keep Jimmy Garoppolo upright. So that is something that I don't believe the Cardinals will be doing. I think it's going to be a polar opposite out here. There's going to be a lot of deep routes run and especially with Kyler Murray's ability to extend plays and, you know, just, just elongate his ability to look down the field and use that baseball arm of his to huck it, I think you're going to see a polar opposite scheme from the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury. He's more of a gunslinging coach, even though I hate using that term, than Kyle Shanahan, who seems to be a little bit more meticulous in his scheming. I mean, it's going to be so much fun. There are the trajectory for these two teams is very similar and also very different at the same time. I'm surprised. Was there any talk about the 49ers taking Quinn Williams? Because Solomon Thomas, although he's, he's more of an end than an interior guy, I know he moves around the defensive line a little bit, he seems to have been not a complete bust, but something teetering on that. Was there talk that Quinn Williams would be the guy to help them on the interior more than uh, Nick Bose on the outside? I think there was definitely talk, and I think he would have absolutely been the pick if Bosa went number one. But I, it, it's funny because on Lockdown 49ers all fall and winter, I was I loved Quinnen Williams, and I was like, look, there is a clear tier in this draft. It's Nick Bosa and it's Quinnen Williams. If I'm at number two, I'm going to draft Quinnen Williams. And a lot of my listeners hated that, and I got into some wars with some people, and people on Twitter was like, no, it's Josh Allen number two if it's not Nick Bosa. Because at that point, everyone still thought Nick Bosa was going to go number one overall. So there was a lot of arguing amongst 49ers fans what to do at number two. I was like, look, the best player is Quinnen Williams. I know you got DeForest Buckner. I know they drafted Eric Armstead and they drafted Solomon Thomas, but you're not going to alter your plans because of those guys. Armstead's in the last year of his deal. Solomon Thomas, we'll see how he develops going forward. But right now he looks like he's going to be a little bit of a big end and a situational rusher, probably playing between Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner as a, a, as a rushing down defensive tackle, which is where I think he's best put anyway. So we'll see what happens with him in his career. But when it comes to what the 49ers did on draft day and it comes to Quinnen Williams, I was like, look, Quinnen Williams is the guy. He is the best player available after Nick Bosa. You just draft the best player and you worry about the glut of people you got inside. You still haven't signed DeForest Buckner long term. And I think inside the building, they were probably thinking similarly. They didn't want to veer from their draft board and take a player that they didn't think was as good. And luckily for the 49ers, they didn't have to make that tough decision and they got that 
that last piece I think they needed on that defensive front in Nick Bosa. How many wins do you have them uh, racking up this year? Oh, that's a tough one because I want to see it all t- come together. And I, the, the last thing I have some questions about, I mentioned the offensive line depth. I think they could potentially have some problems there if some guys get hurt because they were really healthy there. It's one of the few places they were healthy last year. But the defensive secondary, if you look at all the metrics, pro football focus, uh, DVOA, whatever it is, they were really bad covering people last year. Richard Sherman's solid, but he's not young, and he's definitely lost a step from his prime. Uh, They had a rotating door everywhere else because of a bunch of injuries. They have a bunch of young guys that need to develop. Akella Witherspoon, Tarverius Moore, third rounder last year that we still haven't seen yet playing cornerback and uh, being a safety in college. He had some development. So that's the thing I'm worried about is their defensive secondary. But up front, the front seven, I have no problems there. I have no problem. They've got talent all across the board now on the offensive side of the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo healthy. If they win fewer than eight games, if they're not talking, we, we have a shot at the playoffs halfway through the season. If Garoppolo's healthy, then I think there's going to be some major problems and potential hot seat situation there with Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. And especially if Jimmy Garoppolo turns out to not be the guy for some reason, whether he gets hurt again or whether he doesn't ever take that next step and and prove that he is the guy at quarterback, then I think we might have to see some, you know, some tough conversations behind the scenes in the front office. But I don't think it's going to go that way. I think the 49ers are really set. I think it's it's rare that there's that much talent, even though it hasn't all come together for a team that's drafting number two overall. I would be I would be surprised if this team loses more than half their games. So uh, I'm predicting a nine-win season. Be pleasantly surprised if this is a playoff team. If they're below 500, we've got some tough conversations to talk about, I think, because they have to take this next step in year three under the new regime. Yeah, man. I mean, that's getting all those years for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I mean, it's, it's ballsy. I get it. Like, I, I'm a huge proponent of John Gruden and the contract he got. People need to relax. I mean, that that team, when they go to Vegas, they're going to be really good. So I'm completely for getting these long-term deals for pretty much unproven uh, commodities, especially John Lynch, who never held that position before, I don't believe. I will never touch San Francisco's over-under in Vegas until I see Jimmy G play 10 games. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, you can't do it, because even if you're right, I, I believe you that if you play 16 games and they win less than nine, I, I would consider that season not a failure, but definitely not a success. But if he doesn't play more than six or seven games, Nick Mullins is starting or C.J. Beathard's starting, you know, you're going to be SOL with, with that bet you put down with their over-under. So we have so much more to talk about. We will wait until a little bit later on. I'm sure we'll do a crossover before the season starts, definitely before preseason. Alex Lancey locked on Cardinals. Brian Peacock, Locked on 49ers. Thanks for doing this, man. This was awesome. Hey, yeah, no problem. It was a fun time and always a pleasure chatting with you. One quick thing before we go here, i got to ask you, a 2020 draft, uh, is it going to be Tua or is it going to be the kid from Oregon that the Cardinals draft number one overall? (laughs) (laughs) So my dream, my dream scenario would be the Cardinals to win four games, or five games. I mean, I don't see... Teams just back into wins. I cannot believe the Cardinals won three games last year. I feel like the Dolphins will win more games than you think. I feel like these lower teams, the Giants, will win more games than you think. If the Cardinals win five games next year, which is what I have them at, and they have the second overall pick, and Miami takes Tua for sure number one overall, I just hope Kyler Murray shows enough for them to move forward with him. Because they, the Cardinals want to win the least amount of games and have Kyler Murray play the best 
They put up the best numbers they possibly can. That would be the cash cow scenario because it's Justin Herbert, it's Jake Fromm, and it's Tua Tagovailoa. I just need the Cardinals to win enough games to you know, be in the second or third spot and be able to trade, the hell that, trade that pick the hell away to get some draft capital moving forward. That's what I hope. And if not, you know what? Cliff Kingsbury will draft two in next year. We have no idea what the hell he's going to do. <laughs> That's where we're at. Nobody knows what the hell is going to happen. Nobody knows. It's going to be a lot of fun finding out, though. I agree. Brian, thanks for doing this, dude. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks again to Alex for joining the show. Be back next week, continuing some crossover NFC West action, getting to know the division rivals a little bit, and I'm going to be breaking down all of the 49ers draft picks and having some guests in to help me do that as well right here on Locked on 49ers.